are in a series called This Is My Community. And last week we talked about encouragement, and I just want to encourage you to go out into the foyer here after the service, and we picked up more of those little dominoes. Uh, if you weren't here last week, what, we're trying, what we were trying to accomplish was to create a domino effect of encouragement. So you, take, you go out there and you write something encouraging on one of those dominoes with the marker, just kind of blow on it a little bit, it'll dry, and it works really, really well. But your favorite Bible verse or something encouraging to someone, maybe your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your parent, it doesn't matter, just something that the, the person at the restaurant who served you, if you could write something encouraging on there and give it to that person, and then if it's more generalized, maybe encourage them to pass it on when they see the opportunity as well. So we're going to have those out there for the rest of this series, and I don't know how much longer, but we'll have them out there. So if you would like, after the service, go uh, grab some more of them, write on them. I don't care if you take three or four, give them to people at work, person next to you in the cubicle next to you, maybe need some encouragement, write some things on there, and just encourage people, all right? So we're in this series, <clears throat> this, is, this, is, this is my community, and trying to come around each other and trying to, you know, encourage each other to get involved in the body of Christ, get involved so that we can be used by God in a very unique way. Did you know that God created you for a specific purpose and that you were uniquely designed? He carefully crafted you for a specific purpose. Carefully crafted you. When God put you together, when God was designing you, when God was creating you, he didn't break out a cookie cutter when he was designing all of us, his favorite cookie cutter, and just start stamping out a bunch of people without much thought to it. This was a good design. I think I'll just use this over and over and over again billions of times. That's not how God did it. It's like when your grandmother, if you will, little analogy, if your grandmother goes into the kitchen, she's going to make her famous chocolate chip cookies. She doesn't go down to the local Kroger store and pick up a, you know, a log of Pillsbury cookie dough and then, you know, slice it perfectly so they're all exactly the same size and they're all going to taste exactly the same. No, she puts love into it, right? And she mixes it and she puts those secret ingredients in, in that were passed down for generations and all the cookies coming out, they come out looking a little bit different and tasting amazing because of the uniqueness and how she made them, how she baked them. God did not use a cookie cutter when he created each one of us. We are uniquely designed by God. In Psalm 139, 4, 13 through 14, it says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When God designed us, he created us with care. It was, it, was a, it was a careful design. He knit us together in that secret place. And, and when it was all finished, when he was finished, the Bible says it was wonderful. After he was done designing us, creating us individually, the Bible says it was wonderful. So here's what I want to do to kind of kick us off this morning. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and in total sincerity, okay, because you're probably sitting with some of your friends too, I want you to say, when I tell you to, I want you to say, you're wonderful. You're just wonderful. But I want you, the other person to say back, no, man, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. All right? So ready? Go. Make sure you get both sides too. 
See, I just gave I just gave some of you guys a great opportunity. That girl you wanted to date, you just turned and said, you're wonderful. Right? And you can give testimony one day. This is where it all started. Okay? You looked over and she looked back and said, no, no, you're wonderful. Okay? And I gave you that opportunity. All right. So when God designed us, it says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God said it. He made us and it was wonderful. So how does the knowledge that God carefully crafted you change the way you feel about yourself? Think about it. Think about it. How does the knowledge that that God, there is a God who took the time to carefully craft you as an individual. The miracle, the miracle of of us going from non-being into being, if you will. It's not just that we exist and that we're human beings and we're all alike. It's that God carefully crafted us. So as you think about yourself, you have to think, how, how does that change the way I feel about myself? The, the idea or the knowledge that, that God carefully has woven us together, woven us as all of us, how does that change the way you feel about other people when you know that God has done miracle after miracle after individual miracle? How does it change the way you think about other people? And do you ever step back and praise God? Do you ever step back and praise him? The Bible says, I praise you. You've made us in a fearful and wonderful way. I praise you. Do you ever praise God when you see someone who's very unique or you watch someone, someone do something amazing? I've said this before, but I don't know about you, but I can worship when I'm watching football. It's my excuse for watching lots of football because I'm just worshiping God. You know, this started as a praise move. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you're praising God. So honestly, how many people remember Barry Sanders? Raise your hand. Remember Barry Sanders? Tell me you did not worship God watching Barry Sanders run. Really? When you watch the Olympics, when you see someone do something unique, incredible, outstanding, wonderful, whatever you want to call it, I literally can worship God watching people do what they do great. Whether it's an artist, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a person in business, watching someone do something extraordinary, it allows me to look at that person and say, God uniquely crafted that person. And look how they're using their gifts, their talents, and abilities to glorify him. God knit you. God wove, he's woven you together. It's like a tapestry. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like a tapestry. Each of us was, is, is, is a complex creation with unique abilities. If you think about a tapestry, throw a tapestry up there. If you take a tapestry and look at it from the back, right? These things are so expensive. But if you look at a tapestry from the back, it looks haphazard. There's, there's yarn going every which direction. It, looks, it doesn't look like it's cohesive. It, doesn't, it looks like a mishmash of whatever. It's like, well, that's some kind of state or what, what's going on there? Is that, you, know, one of the, you don't know, but then all of a sudden you turn it around. When it's turned around, you realize, wait, wait a second. The artist actually had a plan in mind. And God had a plan in mind when he made his church, when he put us all together. I mean, it looked like a motley crew sometimes of people scattered from all different places coming together. But you know what? In the hands of God, boy, that tapestry, when it's turned around, God has a plan. He has a specific plan for us as individuals and for us as a church as well. When God was meeting with Moses, I don't know if you remember this, but when God was meeting with Moses in the tent of meeting, 
It was a meeting place that God had chosen after the Exodus where God would meet with Moses. And I don't know if you remember, but if you think about it, it's amazing how much detail he put into the making of the entrance of the tent of meeting. I mean, it's mattered to God. In, in Exodus chapter 26 and verse 36, it says this, For the entrance to the tent, uh, make a curtain of blue and purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen, the work of an embroiderer. The work of an embroiderer. I mean, God loves detail. God wanted detail into to going into this tent that would be taken up and taken down. God wanted detail into how it would be embroidered, the entrance to this tent where he would meet with Moses. And if God cared that much about the entrance to this tent that he met with Moses, how much more care and design do you think he put into every one of you? His new temple. Remember when we were going through 1 Peter? And the, and the believers were, were kind of scattered around. They couldn't go to the temple. They were under persecution. And, and Peter said to them, you are the temple. You are the temple. We are God's temple. And God, we, have, we are God's temple. And we have been crafted by the master embroiderer. God invests in us. And the church, when, when the church, the church is, is, is what happens is we, he brings all these, these different designs together into one place. And we all are uniquely designed. But we need each other. We need each other. We are, we're all different. We're all uniquely designed. We come together with different skills and talents and abilities. But we definitely need each other. We're dependent on each other. You see, it's funny because if you think about it, it doesn't seem like if you put if you take a church, it doesn't seem like they fit together. People come from different parts of the world. People come from different backgrounds. Some people have wealth. Some people are poor. Some people are gifted at this and some people are not. Some people are different colors. Some people are different ethnic backgrounds. Whatever the case may be, you think if you threw all these people together, it wouldn't work, but it works really well. Because when we come together like that tapestry, when we come together, and here's the, the other part, when we believe in each other, we become a masterpiece. God's designed masterpiece. He has put us together here for a specific purpose. And every single person in this room was designed to be used by God for that purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, listen to this, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I love that. Just as he wanted them to be perfectly designed and perfectly placed, just as he wanted them to be. Not haphazard, not willy-nilly, not cookie-cutter, perfectly designed and perfectly placed. This is God's plan. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. You may not sometimes like yourself. You know, I don't really like myself. I'm going to tell you something. Understand who you are in Christ. When you understand who you are in Christ, you will like yourself because you understand that God designed you specifically for a purpose, not only individually to do some amazing things, but collectively to come together with the body of Christ and to use those gifts, talents, and abilities to impact the world. According to Psalm 139, 14, remember it said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In context of this verse, it's talking about the incredible nature 
of, the phys- of our physical bodies, fearfully and wonderfully made, the incredible nature of our physical bodies. The human body is the most complex and unique organism in the world, in the world. And, and because of that uniqueness and that complexity, it gives us an understanding, a better understanding and appreciation of the mind of the creator. I mean, you look around the world and you see, you see people and how God has designed them. And it gives you a, a greater understanding and awe of the one who created them. And on top of that, knowing that you have those gifts and talents and abilities, God is saying, I want you to use them. Not only that, but the Bible says that God has a plan for the way he wants you to use them. God has a plan. In Psalm 139, 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He has a purpose for you. He has a specific purpose for you, and that purpose is fulfilled in community. It is fulfilled in community. You cannot fulfill your purpose alone. God didn't make you from a cookie cutter. He made you so that you could use your unique skills, talents, and abilities to edify the body of Christ and to impact the lives of people around you. Whatever God has given you, however God has created you, God expects you to use those gifts. He expects us to use those talents. He expects you to use those abilities to glorify him and to edify the church. I was going to do that, but I thought, give someone else a chance. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) no, God has given us all these incredible gifts, and he expects us to use them, to use them to glorify himself and to build up, to encourage. I mean, were you encouraged by that, honestly? Was that encouraging? Amen is right. That was so encouraging. Yeah, clap again. I honestly, hey, give God the glory. You know, in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, he, he gives us a, pretty much a stern warning in the parable of the talents about how he expects us to use what he has given us. The, the, there's a rich landowner, and the landowner comes to three of his servants, and he says to his servants, I'm going away for an undesignated period of time, doesn't say how long, and he gives his servants uh, responsibility for, if you will, his kingdom, his, his vast property. His wealth. He gives each one a certain amount of talents. He gives to one five talents. He gives to the second two talents. And then he gives to the third one talent. And he says, I want to give you these talents. I want you to invest these talents. I have given you these talents. You are not a cookie cutter. I've given you them. Now I want you to invest them. So when I return, there is, there is, there, the, things have advanced. Things have gotten better. You have invested yourself. You've invested what I have given to you. And then he goes away. And two of the servants invest the talents. And one of them invests the five talents. He doubles his, his money. The other with two talents invests the two talents, the talents that he's been given, and he doubles his. The third servant decides, I'm going to bury my talents. And so he buries his talents. And when the, when the, the, the master comes back, 
He goes to the first two servants. You gave me five. I've got five more. You gave me two. I have two more. Well done, my good and faithful servants. I've invested in you. I've given you some. I'll give you more. I've invested in you. You have done what I've asked you to do. Well done, my good and faithful servants. But to the third servant, he comes and the person says, hey, I buried him. I buried him in the ground. And he basically says, you wicked servant. And he's severely punished because he is not doing and not using what God has given to him. You don't have what you have because you just were born and you decided I'm going to be the most amazing whatever. You have those things because God has given them to you. This life, my friends, is not a game. And God designed you, did not, he did, he did not, he did not design you and create you from the foundation of the world and weave you together so that you could bury your talents. That's not why he gave them to you. This parable is a warning. It is a warning to every single one of us that we are responsible for what God has given us. And you say, well, that person's got more talent than I do. That's not the point. If you use the talent that God has given you, God will give you more. And you'll increase. And you'll be strengthened. And you'll become stronger. And he'll use you more and more and more. If someone has five talents and he buries those five talents... God is not going to continue to give. But the one with one or two talents who uses the talents that God has given them, the abilities, the gifts that God has given them, he will increase what he has given to you. But it's a warning that we should use what God has given us and not bury our talents. We were created for community. We were designed for eternity. God has put into each one of us, and God wants to use every single one of us. It is time that each one of us started to live out the purpose for which we were created. And it is time for some of you to go out and get your shovel and dig up your talents before it's too late. Use what God has designed for you to use. Don't end up like the third servant. Read Matthew 25, you'll see exactly what I'm saying. You were crafted by God for a specific purpose, to impact lives, my friends. First in the church, to edify the church. Then in the community, to use your gifts within the community, to have other people see how God has designed you, to draw them closer to himself, and then around the world, using those talents around the world to impact people's lives. You weren't created by some willy-nilly process of chance called evolution. You were created, you were crafted, carefully crafted by our God, by our creator, It makes you special. And the body of Christ needs that uniqueness to become all that it was designed to be. I've encouraged you over the past few weeks to to, to get connected, to become more intimately involved in the community, this this community, this body of believers. I've encouraged you to use your your gifts and, and, and serving in other places. I've encouraged you to get involved in life groups, to come to youth group, to, to get involved in women's and men's Bible studies, to come together and to and to and to be used by the Holy Spirit of God to impact the lives of other people. And not only that, but to impact your own life, to help you to grow. You're not going to know your uniqueness if you don't use your gifts. You want to talk about, you want to have better self-esteem? Start using 
Start serving. Just Even if you don't think you have any talent, okay? Start serving somewhere and watch what God does to your life. It's when he starts to use you and you realize, wait, I can do that. Wait a second, I'm actually good at this. Wait a second, I'm actually really good at this. But if you never step out and serve, you'll never understand that. You'll never know that. And Grace Chapel is a unique church. I'm not saying we're better, okay? I'm not even going and we're better than others. We're not. We're just, God has uniquely designed this church. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. And the reason I'm going to tell you this is because in order for us to fulfill the vision that God has given to us, our, the, a Christian worldview in this church, in order to fulfill that, every single one of you needs to engage, needs to use your gifts, needs to use your talents, needs to use your treasures, needs to use your abilities to glorify God. If we are going to fulfill what God has called us to do as a church, every single person needs to be involved. Grace Chapel, like I said, is a unique place. And we have been over the past few years trying to secure the land behind the thrift store. If you're looking at the thrift store from this angle, it's a a big lot behind the thrift store. Over the past few years, I've been talking back and forth with Tom, who's a wonderful dentist over here, love the guy to death. And uh, he decided uh, recently that he would sell it to us. And he's willing to sell it to us for an incredibly good price. So we've secured that land behind us. And God has blessed us with that. And you think, well, why do we need that land? Because as we continue, to, if, if God blesses us and we continue to grow, for example, we, if we build onto the Grace Impact Center and put our children's wing back there and our school of the arts, we're going to have to then move, we'll have to move this wall back or we can move this wall back and lose those other two classrooms back here. We won't need them because we'll have so much room back over there. There's a lot of space over there, which will expand the sanctuary. If we grow as a church and we expand the sanctuary, we need parking. That allows us not to be landlocked to have all the parking we want. But that's not the only reason to have that property. There's something more unique about Grace Chapel that will allow us to expand in another area of ministry. Grace Chapel has one of the one of the finest, one of the best marketplace ministries in the world. And I'm not saying that, oh, we're so great. I'm just stating a fact. Grace Chapel has one of the best marketplace ministries in the country because we have some amazing people within this church in different areas at work on purpose. I know Campus Crusade is involved. We have through uh, through self-sustaining enterprises. Grace Chapel as a whole has a dynamic marketplace ministry. Our goal for that land is to expand our, our business stream model. Okay, now you hang in there with me if you haven't been here very long. We want to expand that business tree model, a business tree combines the best of marketplace and marketplace and ministry disciplines. So you're combining the two. All right. You're combining those two things. You're saying, God, how can you use us in this area through self-sustaining enterprises? We want to expand the ministry of our accelerator and our incubator. Okay. Within the ministry. What we're trying to do is we can now renovate, if we would choose to, we could renovate the thrift store, maybe even expand the thrift store, have parking on that other side in 3rd Street. I'm not sure what it's called right now, but on 3rd Street, which will allow us to expand our entrepreneur-owned business trees. Now, some of you are thinking right now, the dancing was fine. This, now you're going off the charts here, buddy. Where are you going? Why are you talking about business in church? My answer would be, why are we not talking about business in church? What is wrong with business? Okay, what is wrong with talking about business? 
If you're thinking that way, the most, the most likely the reason you're thinking that way is because you're still stuck in a platonic worldview, Plato's worldview. Plato came up with the idea that things are either sacred or they're secular. Okay? That is not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is things are either sinful or they're sacred. Sacred or sinful. Get it? All right. I like that. There you go. Get it? I didn't even expect to do that. That's good. All right. So we understand that. Things are either sinful or they are sacred. So if, they, if something is not sinful, it's... If it's not sinful, it's... Right. And if it's sacred, then we can use it. We can use that to... Here's my thing. Why on earth will we give territory to the enemy that doesn't belong to him? How many of you have gone to or go to work every day at Procter & Gamble or GE or your own business or you work for somebody else or you generate income through some kind of business activity? How many? Raise your hand. In the past, right now, whatever else, ever. Right. Most people in the room. When you went to work or when you go to work tomorrow, are you sinning? Are you doing something evil? Are you doing something wrong? Are you doing something bad? No. If it's not sinful, it's. So if you go to work tomorrow, then you are a marketplace minister and your work is worship. You can worship God at work. Shocking. That's a biblical worldview. That is not that that Plato came up with secular versus sacred so that we all get that God gets one hour a week. It's a it's a great plan. God gets one hour a week on Sunday morning from whatever time. God owns it all. My friends, God made it all. Satan never made anything. All he does is corrupt what God created. Okay, and I'm saying that work is worship. We can worship God through our work. We can worship God through the marketplace. Do you really believe, honestly, all you business people out there, do you honestly before God believe that he gave you all those, all those incredible business skills to use for yourself, for your own glory, to make resources just for yourself? It was all just for you. Or do you believe that God gave you those gifts, those talents, those abilities, those resources within business to glorify himself, to further his kingdom? The answer is the latter. No question about it whatsoever. Just like someone can dance, just like someone can sing, just like someone can cook, you can do business. How do you have those abilities? God has given you those abilities, and he expects you to be a marketplace minister and impact people's lives. Let me read you Colossians 3.23. It reminds us of this. Whatever you do, listen, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do. What is that leaving out? Someone help me. Nothing. Whatever you do, if you're not doing something sinful, it's sacred. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Whether you sing or whether you dance or whether you play an instrument or whether you cook or whether you play a sport or whether, whether you do great business, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you do it all. You do everything. I belong to God. Everything I do is for the glory of God. See, I got an amen right over there. That's what I'm talking about. See, even the smallest among us understand this, right? We are designed to glorify God. And if you're wondering, where does the money go for the business trees you guys have? We invest in the lives of at-risk children around the world. That's our goal. All the money goes through back. We want to, we want to d- d- develop uh, relationships all around the world through back-to-back ministries. It doesn't come back to Grace Chapel. It goes out into ministry. As we close, I want to... I want to give a testimony of three people within our church who are living this out 
in their own lives, people within this body who are trying to live this out. Nicole, Ashley, and Cherie. And they started a, a salon, and I want them to share with you. Now, before we start, give them a big hand and smile. Yay! Woohoo! Whoop it up! Think about if you were up here, okay? So you want to smile and give people encouragement, make out one of those little, you know, dominoes after the service and give it to them, all right? So, so here's my question to you guys. Tell us what you do and how, how what you're doing is impacting the kingdom of God in your own lives, in other people's lives, in the lives of children, whatever. Okay, so while our God-given guest is not public speaking, uh, <laughs> we actually have people ask you the gift of um, creating beauty and not just outer beauty, but actually seeing people's hair, which we all really, really want to figure that out. That's awesome. So I try anyway, 
Perfect. That's perfect. That is so good. Thank you guys so, so much. And as you're getting down, I just say, if you think about it, I mean, God ministered to them. God has ministered through them. God has ministered in the community and even through back to back now, the resources to impact children's lives around the world. So, I mean, just instead of just opening a salon, you opened a business tree. And you guys are, you're marketplace ministers. You know, I know it's hard to, to think that way, but you're ministers. When you, when you do that, that's what you did. You prayed for someone, you, made, you invested in someone. You guys are always talking. I mean, I don't, I've never been in a salon, but I, I hear that. There's a lot of talking going on, okay? So, <laughs> so I would fit right in, actually. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you guys are doing an amazing job. And I just want you to see how, you know, we can use all different types of skills and talents and abilities to glorify God. Thank you guys so, so much. That's awesome. God, we just humbly come before you and, and praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And just standing up here, Lord, on this, on this stage and listening to people's testimonies and watching how you're using them in business and how you're using them in the arts. And it's just amazing to watch, Lord God. It's amazing to experience. And we want to praise you. We want to praise you for that. God, I pray that you would help each person to see the uniqueness of who they are. And God, that you would use us individually as you take us to different places around the community and around the world. But Lord, that we would come together as that tapestry, as that puzzle that you have designed and created. And God, that you would use us in every area of ministry to impact this world to not be afraid to do things, Lord, that are unorthodox. You are an unorthodox God, and you want use unorthodox strategies to further your kingdom. We fit right into that mold, dear God, so we pray that you would use us, and that fear would be set aside, that we would use our talents, Lord, we would dig them up, and that we would use them for your glory, and to further your kingdom, and to further the cause of Jesus Christ. 
wherever we go. In his name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.